welcome to a new episode of the retail podcast by Vyurad AI. In this podcast, we speak to leaders in retail that are consistently pushing the needle and at the center of innovation. Today we're putting the spotlight on Nitty Gritty. The company was founded by Anand Shiva and Nikita Bhargav with the ambition to build a platform that brings together data, analytics, insights and smart content to give customers a confident buying experience. With that, I'd like to introduce you to today's guests. We have Anand Shiva, the co-founder and head of business excellence at Nitty Gritty. After a multi-decade long career in mainstream advertising, his solution first mindset led him to transition into the data analytics space. Our second guest is Nikita Bhargav, the co-founder and head of brand success at Nitty Gritty. With over 25 years of industry experience working with leading Indian and global brands, Nikita lives and breathes brand marketing. She has over a decade of experience in e-commerce of which the last 6 years were at Amazon. Thanks Anand and Nikita for joining us on the podcast today. Our pleasure totally. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Great. So let's jump right in. Um Anand and Nikita this is of course for both of you but talk to us about what Nitikri does um your business model and the growth you've seen in the past year. I believe um you've gone live 9 months ago so tell us about how that journey has been. uh i i think i think it's a very interesting story that we had right it's exactly about uh, i think about a year and a half ago sometime in the month of march last year that nikita and i started our conversation about uh content on ecom and catalogs and what brands were doing and this was at the peak of the lockdown and when businesses were actually looking pretty different right and the, one of the things that struck us was the fact that uh, brands were paying very little attention to the quality of content that was going out there on the ecom space there's a lot of detailing that's going when they create their television commercials and they do their socials and they do their pos and all of that but not so much in the content space on ecom and we noticed that as the number of shoppers was uh, increasing as lockdown was driving more traffic to the web sales and or commerce sales that there should be something that must be done about uh, changing the quality and the, even the attitude towards content not just the quality right so that started our sort of uh, a very curious conversation that led on to a desire to build something that could bring in technology to drive this change and uh, we we spent about 3 months looking for a good tech solution that could help us get into the market with a content story but we really didn't come across anything that was custom built or even available remotely available for uh, you know automating content and you need to automate if you're looking at content in e-commerce space so we spent the next 9 months building a tool uh, at nitigrity right oh by the way i must tell you we call ourselves integrity with a very specific uh, purposes because we believe that the attention to the detail is what is important when you create content for ecom so we built a tool and called textmatics which uh, which we'll talk about more later i'm sure but uh, that the tool is what allows us to either create or evaluate existing content and change the complexion of what customers experience when they go through a catalog in the ecom space and that's our uh, mantra we're saying how can we help brands establish a superior customer experience for people shopping online and i think that's extremely important right uh, given just how many more shoppers have moved online during the pandemic and taken to e-commerce but uh, even before we get into the actual product i wanted to touch upon the problem you were looking to solve um i know for a fact that traditional retail has had to step up immensely in the past year and go online so in that context why did you think this space of content was an important one to explore i think that itself was the opportunity and the challenge for brands 
right? Opportunity for us and the challenge for brand, right? Uh, you know, it's something very interesting. Uh, the 55 plus age group was the largest boom sector for online shopping during the lockdown, understandably, right? And this segment was never expected to take on to e-shopping as much as they did because of the lockdown. So the lockdown turned out to be a catalyst to the e-com space. The reason that we wanted content to sort of start stand out is very simple, right? Imagine a store, right? When you walk in uh, or when I walk in or somebody who's 75 years old walks into a store, the salesperson there is able to quickly convert uh, or change the speed depending on the audience, right? A washing machine sold to a 75-year-old man is not the same way that it's sold to a 40-year-old woman or a 35, you know, the 30s couple. He quickly changes his speed depending on the target audience, which you can't do in the e-com space. But the fact is that you have all of these audiences coming onto the e-com space very much like they walk into a brick and mortar store. So that one piece of content actually replaces that smart salesperson there. And that piece of content has also got to appeal to each one of these very uniquely different audience segments. That is the pressure on content on catalog. And that's the space that excites us saying, how do we real make brands realize that this content cannot be just a product spiel but has to appeal to a larger audience across a variety of, you know, it's, it's multivariate, right? From age group, from gender, from where they come from, their background, and the way, the way even they pay between a COD and a card or a banking transaction. So we sort of embarked on this to help brands create content that could become universally impressive, but yet exclusively targeted in a space. I can actually throw a little bit of insight into what actually happened in 2020. We just didn't just see a digital transformation. We also saw that internet started playing a very critical role in our in our life, in our day-to-day life. You know that people had to um, move to e-commerce because the situation demanded that. And an industry which was growing at um, seven to eight percent, I think, suddenly was had moved by thirty odd percent. You know. Um, therefore, it became important that um, customers knew what they were getting into. People who did not want to, who didn't normally shop, were also online. Uh, they were also looking at other forms of uh, online, um, like classes went online, doctor's appointment went online, uh, your UPI transactions, which um, I think uh, 2020 saw uh, together what what India saw in the last previous three years, all happening in one year. So a lot of things actually culminated to e-commerce growing that way. And back on, on the customer piece, I think brands are constantly looking at force-fitting content, which is offline, into online. You know, And that is not the ideal experience. We do see a lot of digital brands, the digital first brands, who, who will stand out in that experience because they're thinking digital, you know. You will see that they're far more focused on your on their on their content, and uh, we feel with the tool that we have, we can even get that far more sharper. I think you've shed light on something that really matters today in e-commerce, and that's content. Um, and I'd like to understand, you know, there's a world of content. There's so many different types and formats of content. So, what aspect of content do you work on? And more importantly, tell us about you know, why each medium needs its own content. Like you pointed out, force-fitting offline content into online isn't really valuable for brands or for their consumers. So tell us a little bit about that. Like I said, that 
you know, most brands were force fitting it. Um, we realized that the customer is, while the customer is looking for the same thing, every customer is actually unique and every customer is at a different journey. Um, whereas when he lands on a detail page, which is which is really the proof of pudding in, if I have to equate it to what, what would that be in the offline space, it would actually be a customer looking at a product um, or uh, going to a trial room and trying out a product. It's in that stage that you actually decide to discard the product or add it to your cart, you know. So, so that experience becomes critical. And in the absence of no touch and feel, um, the storytelling there and the story that you're actually trying to talk about in a way that connects with the customer becomes really important, you know, like right from the from the title onwards, you know, which which aids those four things that the customer is looking for before he even before he even clicks on that on that uh, product and goes to the detail page. On the detail page, what? How do customers actually look at a product? So uh, is that sequenced in the way that the customer is actually looking for a product? Um, what is the storytelling? We know that customers don't like to read too much. Are you visually saying everything that the customer wants to see? Um, it's it's those bits, and that's what the tool actually does. We've actually broken down every detail page. Um, if I had to look at um, Amazon as a case study, the Amazon detail page into 180 uh, little parameters, which are broken down for you, which which the tool actually analyzes and throws up a score to you. You know, so that's that's how detailed uh, we are about content. Wow. Okay. 180 content parameters is a lot. Uh, and I can imagine why Amazon or any other large marketplace needs that level of detail um, and both for brands to be able to differentiate their content, but also for shoppers to find exactly what they're looking for. And I think this is very familiar to us because, you know, we solve for fairly similar things at Bureau.ai as well. But um, tell us how that works for each brand, right? When they're working with Nitty Gritty, what does that journey look like? How do you help brands uh, figure out exactly what content they need or what pieces of content they're missing out on and then help them build robust, holistic content? So basically, we would divide them into two types of uh, brands. One would be one that's already on Amazon and therefore there is a certain amount of traction that the brand already has. So we normally audit a page and tell you where we think the gaps are. And we fix the gaps, um, bases again, the 180 parameters. Um, but if it's an absolutely new brand, I think the work is a lot uh, more. We actually understand the landscape, understand what, what their closest competition is like, not just in, in, in this particular geography, we could be looking at other geographies as well to understand best practices. And then we, um, we start from scratch. So if it was an apparel a product, our view would be completely different. And, and that's where um, you guys actually come into the picture. We, we pull out an attribute sheet based on just images and that becomes the gospel for us to write a detailed page. Mm -hmm. Again, it's all on the tool. So we keep ticking off on 180 parameters. It's, it's, it's a live score. And at the end of the, end of the page, you know where your score is and you know where your content's actually sitting. So you will have a, a gold standard catalog by the time you finish with uh, with a page with us. Uh, you see, there are a lot of problems that we're trying to address here. It's not just about content, right? It's about it's about how do how much do brands really understand the importance of each of these elements in a page, right? They all exist with a purpose. 
you have a title for a very particular reason you have images for a very particular reason you have a bullet for a very particular reason and then you have a series of other components like your description what we call the premium position location and so on and so forth right and within this there are subsets and saying what should your first bullet look like what should you communicate how do you communicate the mistake that happens or the struggle that brands have trouble understanding is saying what is the sequence in which the content must appear because it looks it's a storytelling process right and the problem arises because most brands tend to see each of these components in isolation and not as a single unified story because for the customer it's one journey and she searches for something she finds the title first when she looks in the title she needs to find the product that she is looking for and then when she goes to the images she needs to connect with the image in her household in her life so each of these components have to come together in an orchestrated manner to deliver that customer experience and that's the approach we take to brands we go to actually tell them this thing if you already have existing content let us tell you how effective your story is which is why we give the story a scope right and then we break it down to saying which part of the story is not delivering to the score where are you losing out on which chapter are the images slowing you down are the bullets slowing you down so the story sort of takes shape with these finer details looked into but if it's a new brand like nikita said the job is a little tougher but it's a lot easier to build because we are starting a new story new chapter on a blank page so our ability to stitch it together in the right manner is better but the work is a lot more because it starts with the strategy and the thinking But the aspect that we are trying to help brands realize is that your storytelling from a customer experience perspective needs to be a lot sharper. Right, and I think you spoke about quite a few interesting things here. And the first just being mindset shift for brands to accept that this is an important aspect of their business. Um, and I know for a fact that the pandemic has pushed e-commerce to think out of the box when it comes to the site experiences, the pieces of content that are on the site, but. Uh, Can you tell us how brands are just approaching digital content as a whole today? There are so many automation tools of which you know you are actively working with brands uh, to create better experiences. But I guess my question here is how convinced are the brands? Do they believe they need uh, good content, or do they need convincing? How does that work? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a very uh, tricky spot in the whole business, actually. Right? Yeah. Uh, see, one one of the uh, challenges that we face as a business when we talk to brands is so a brand manager could look at us and say okay i hear you guys i understand there are gaps now i'm going to fix those gaps but you need to tell me how can i be sure that fixing these gaps is going to turn around my business in some way what is going to be the delta that i'm going to see in my business yeah. because i changed title from uh, option a to option b right, right? now so that's the that's the challenge right but let me go back to the larger question that you are right See, I spent my first uh, part of my career in mainstream advertising when there wasn't so much of data to play with. We were just going on customer insights and market research and so on and so forth. But the last ten, fifteen years, I've been dabbling with a lot of stuff on the in the data space, right? Yes. So, marketers using data to make informed decisions and to do course correction during part of a campaign or during a sales month isn't new at all. It's 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 done. there are plenty of brands who have mastered this very well and they go on to use it their their roi is splendid when they look at data driven marketing right but when you come to ecom because we are still in a highly discounted marketplace this country still sells on lot because of the price difference right 
as long as you can keep rolling out offers as long as you can keep buying during your festival periods and your seasons you will start seeing a big boom but the actual challenge appears of the brand being the first among equals let's assume that it's a washing machine and let's assume that all the washing machines are priced between 28k and 30k how does your content stand out and tell the customers that this is the product you should be picking up that's not data that's actually understanding the customer online buying experience and expectations better to deliver content that she or he will love to pick up so it is data of a kind but heavy rich shopping insights that i think comes out of a large and large amount of time that we've spent in understanding these categories understanding the marketplaces across global uh, markets and bringing them into a tool that can ensure that they're able to deliver that consistent experience i think that's where the technology comes to play think how are you able to keep it updated how are you able to keep it current and how are you able to keep it adaptive because as things change the tool can respond faster than anybody else can i think um i think the pandemic changed a lot for brands i think the channel mix went through a huge change ecom which was um, which was a single digit contributor was suddenly had crossed into double digits and that's growing every day so this channel has become a focus area for most brands um we see more and more focus there their their ecom teams have grown what used to be a, a two or three member team only executing catalogs going live are now large teams you know um it's also propelled by the digital first brands who who are aggressive and therefore giving the offline guys uh, a tough uh, run um, in this space uh, yes people are looking at it seriously now um, are they ready for us um, some of them are and some of them still need a lot of coaching i think we are we're still very very we are very new as a concept saying um, have you ever evaluated or audited your catalog and most of them think that they already have a great catalog what can be wrong you know so um you see brands are at different journeys there um, they're excited that somebody can give them a score and and they're always optimistic that they will they will have a very high score and they're quite shocked when we tell them that hello there are gaps that need to be fixed so um, yeah it is it is a journey which uh, brands have to get on and we hope to get them there yeah i think it's a common sentiment across anyone that's trying to enable brands digitally um you know whether it's companies like us or uh, nitty gritty it's definitely interesting to note that um most brands think they are quite digitally forward and very intuitive when it comes to different aspects of their journey but it's not always the case and i think this is a good time to talk about how you're approaching this at nitty gritty right um i had a look at your solutions and the fact that you're offering different packages uh to different types of brands um i saw something called the checker pack the corrector pack the creator pack so how do each of these work and are they specifically used for different categories of brands okay i, I think we're getting a, a very mixed kind of uh, mixed bag uh, brands coming in right uh, before i tell you the kind of brands that are coming and the kind of work we're doing let me tell you what these three packs actually uh, symbolize them because they are the core of our business and like i said you could be a brand that was already listed and you want to evaluate that we urge you to evaluate before you make any changes that's why we call it the checker pack can I mean, you do a check and understand where it is and that's because a lot of first uh, you know first generation brands that have been there for maybe what 
three years, five years, when I say first generation, first on e-com, have been there for quite a few years and they really haven't bothered to go back and look at it, uh, you know, how current it is and how uh, effective it is or how compliant it is and so on. So forth. it needs to be checked. And then once you've checked, you identify the gaps, you have a very detailed report that comes out. It's almost the analogy that I've been giving people is equivalent of an MRI. So we break it down to such great detailing, but that's not the end output. The end output is to use the MRI and take corrective steps. So then we get into the correction part, which is about fixing the titles, fixing the bullet, fixing the imagery, getting into photography if required, maybe creating 3D models and so on and so forth. So the content gets created based on what the checker report is. Therefore, that's why we call it the corrector pack. And the final one is about for brands that need to either launch a completely new series of products or maybe they are getting listed for the first time and you want to create a catalog from scratch. So you actually end up creating one right from the word go, right? So very, very simply put, check what you have, correct what needs to be fixed or create something completely new, right? Uh, so uh, we, we sort of have a mixed bag of brands. There are brands that come to us and say, please do the audit for me. Tell me where I'm wrong but let me get my agency to work on it because I don't have the time to brief another agency or another partner and get through that journey. So we are extremely happy to help them deliver, help them get uh, gold standard content. So we are flexible in a way we work. So we do the audit, we tell them what needs to be corrected. They get the correction done with their agency and they come back to us for our opinion before they publish it, right? The other one is, Though brands have said they would like to work with the agency, they have come back and said, listen, I don't think we've got the, the crux of what you guys are trying to tell us. Could you please do it for us? So we end up doing the character pack ourselves. So we create the content and give it to them in a ready-to-publish manner, right? So that's the that's the mixed bag that we sort of uh, evolved. And, and what's also very interesting is most brands, our tool, by the way, I must tell you this, right? The tool is automated to score or evaluate content that's already published on an Amazon marketplace. It would be any English-speaking marketplace, right? But it, it can only automatically, automatedly uh, audit, sorry, I'm just going to rephrase this. Uh, the, the tool is designed to uh, you know, automatically score uh, listings on any Amazon platform. But when we publish content, when we give the brands content, we are in a position to give them content that can be taken across multiple platforms. So it could be any of the platforms we see in India, it could be a Walmart in the US, or it could be a Target. The content can be customized depending on the platform, just that we have built an automated tool only to run on one platform because that sort of allows us to create the global benchmark that we need to create content for all other platforms. So, so brands have been quick. We have, we have been fortunate to work with a variety of brands. We've got really large MNC brands uh, who have come and some of them have even taken the story of how they managed to change content to their counterparts in other geographies. We also had uh, extremely dynamic small brands in India who have taken to an e-com first approach who have come to us and said, listen, I thought I had kick content, but looks like I could do with some help. And then they've been surprised at how they got maybe lesser uh, things wrong, but they surely realized that there's more detailing that's required. So we have, we've worked with a, a variety of brands to a two ends of the spectrum. And it's been a fantastic uh, journey working with these, both these brands. I mean, they both of them come with different challenges and different learnings, but I think we've had great fun working on all of these. Um, just to add to what Anand said, Akshay, I think the categories which reached out to us were categories that um, 
saw an uprise during the pandemic and it was across we saw we saw personal hygiene products food and gourmet uh, beauty these are these are the brands we also saw um, take to us immediately as well so the bulk of the work we've done is been in the food beauty and in the personal hygiene space and uh, now of course it's uh, widened a bit more we've got apparel and accessories also right you talked about different categories um nikita how does content automation work i imagine you know that content for personal hygiene products are very different from what it would look like for apparel and accessories right so how does that work i think it's absolutely uh, unique to the category and to the subcategory i don't think uh, it's 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 like two different customers it's it's exactly like that and the marketplace itself has um, has defined it differently and uh, we do understand this customer is the the hygiene customer would be very very different from a from what you would look from a beauty product you would have some similarities but um, one would have a far more fashion uh, angle and one may have a more health uh, angle to it so yeah we try and ensure that uh, that what customers are looking for is is what what differentiates uh, the categories for us right and i think this is a perfect segue to my next question but i feel like the success of this tool depends on how well it caters to different types of customers and i know your motto revolves around being extremely customer centric so can you tell us how you're solving problems by putting the customer at the forefront their problems and their needs so one piece of of content which we believe especially for uh, brands that are already live is is the star ratings we we take that quite uh, as a as a place where we get a lot of insights from there is also the customer conversation which is happening below uh, a number of times some really uh, key things are uh, that are that customers are asking for should idly be there in the content for example a customer could be asking for a warranty information and uh, the warranty information could be there in the content but it could be um a, a last image or it could be the last bullet um, if the content is not app optimized it's very very highly possible that you don't really go to the last image and therefore if you've understood that customers are asking for warranty then all it requires is to t- tweak your content so that it it comes up a little early in the customer's uh, journey you know maybe your third image should be uh, something on warranty maybe your bullet should be uh, rearranged so that this information is highlighted so that's the that's the kind of information mining we look at and look at the chatter that's happening and try and bring that uh, into the content that we create or we audit and correct so we were working on a food brand okay and uh, the the marketer was not in agreement with some of the recommendations that get given all right and uh, during the course of the conversation we just decided to play into the space and see how we could convince the person and he said listen let's assume you're going into a store and you want to pick up a let's say a bag of chips or maybe a carton how would you buy it what what are the steps that you take before you decide to drop it into your basket and it so happened that the way it was explained like this is how i would shop was exactly the methodology that we had followed in the content right so the online buyer and the offline buyer are in different they are the same buyers 
and you're actually moving people from an established habituated behavior to a very new marketplace all that is changing is where they are shopping but the way they look for products what they want to know how it fits into their life they're all the same that's not going to change that's very very fundamental to customer behavior right but your ability to say your content now needs to give that customer the comfort of shopping the way he or she is used to shopping but deliver it digitally is how the transformation happened so i mean the moment moment she sort of described it and said okay now it seems to make sense what you actually telling me is that you put the content in the exact manner that i as a customer would buy this product and it went through and some good thing is not only did she accept what happened came back two weeks later and got more of a product change which means what she did the first time really worked well absolutely and uh, now that we've talked about just how much of a role content can play uh, let me ask you this is it going to be a central pillar when it comes to retention brand loyalty customer experiences or even simply in terms of people associating themselves with a the brand right um, what is the role content is going to play and uh, how do you see that evolving uh actually let me tell you this right uh, i don't even think we have touched or scratched the surface of the importance of content in the digital buying space we are still testing brands are still i mean it's the same space right 15 20 years ago when i was in my prime advertising days to go and tell a brand that digital is going to be the way you need to be on a digital platform you need to right. have a dot com website seemed like something that was really big people took a while to adopt to it right uh, in all our presentations digital used to be the last slide after the just before the thank you slide yeah. that was how insignificant it was then right uh, ecom is still in that space for some brands but all of them have realized that it's going to be a do or die now right and then comes the role of uh, content to play and we've just started on this journey and most of the platforms you know they take take an amazon or flipkart or walmart whatever they are still toying with a lot of experimenting in ideas they're still working out different because all of them realize that it's going to get even more challenging as customer varieties of customers start coming in and india is going to be a splendid uh, you know lab for all of this because you're going to get somebody who's coming in from a bihar or from a rajasthan from a you know karnool who doesn't speak the english language who wants to shop in telugu or wants to shop in maybe gujarati and you suddenly have to deliver a very different experience and right. an automated ai driven translation engine is not going to complete the job it's going to be very clinical and we can't afford to have that in our shopping experience right on the other side there is going to be a big need to drive the touch and feel of the product which means we go to see more of augmented reality coming in we go to see more of technology coming into play which is also the reason why this year when we decided that we want to take techmatics to the next level we said it's time to bring in more technology players and start partnering with you know technologies that can change this for us and be ready when a lot of this happens so our partnership with view was along those lines saying how do we automate more of the stuff how do we bring in a technology that can change the way we able to create content and be ready for a future not so far away so our quest for bringing in these uh, you know partnerships for bringing in these technologies and be ready for the change when it happens so we can actually tell brands listen if ar is going to be the next important component in a catalog we got to be ready to give it to you and i think brands must be quick to run into that segment because that's going to make a big change you know wearing your glasses and looking at a 3d view of your washing machine in your house before you buy it is going to be a killer idea that is going to change the shopping experience 
Yeah, I think uh, VR might be um, a little while longer, I think, Anand. But I think what uh, what they're already talking about is everybody's talking about the three Vs, which is voice, video, and vernacular. That's where I think everybody's working on currently. And and it's already out and and the numbers on this are looking so good i i don't know if you guys know that um 60% of smartphone users have actually used voice assist already you know and four out of five people during the pandemic actually watched youtube to learn something new you know and google translate numbers are are have seen upwards of um, i think 15x increase uh, during the pandemic so these three will 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 in the next five years play a big role in getting the next 100 million customers online? That's definitely a big vision to work towards. And it's exciting to see, um, you know, what Nitigrity will do. Of course, the podcast isn't complete until we talk about our partnership together. So uh, this is for both of you, Ananda and Nikita. What prompted you to uh, work with Bureaudia and how do you see this partnership evolving? Yeah, I think something that's very fundamental to what uh, Textmatics, the tool does and what we do in the business is marketers, brand heads, they all go by numbers. They have measurement for everything that they do, right? Everything from some from measuring the time it takes for a call to be terminated in a call center all the way to the money they spend on their DRPs and GRPs and all of that, right? When it comes to content, technology has a very low role to play or virtually no role to play. And there have to be some kind of a standard, a global standard that has to come in that become measurable across categories and products. That's what technology has enabled us to deliver to these brands. And that technology, right, is more of a measuring tool. It's more of a content creation tool. But what it needed was a whole lot of added support that can come from a lot of technologies that are available in the market and a lot of organizations that have actually invested to bring in a high de degree of uh, automation and AI into the picture. And our conversation with you started because we had no intentions of reinventing the wheel and building something that was already there in the system. We'd heard quite a bit about you before we actually started the conversation and found it to be the perfect fit that we wanted when it came to completely uh, computer vision engineering for the images that we were working on. So in that sense, I think uh, view sort of uh, was almost like the design for what we wanted to do. And having uh, got into a partnership and sort of plugged it into our tool, I, uh, I have great uh, ambitions of uh, changing the dynamics that we have with you. A lot of conversations happening about how we can bring in more of these learnings to only keep uh, sort of empowering that engine to do a lot more better, a lot more faster. So I think I think we got a great uh, relationship going, and I'm very excited about what's in store. That's wonderful to hear, and uh, you know I'm glad we did this podcast, and we're really looking forward to a long-term partnership with you as well. Um, thanks once again, Anand and Nikita, for a really insightful conversation. I know I learned a lot, and uh, we're really looking forward to more of these in our partnership. Thanks, thanks for having us. We we probably the youngest and the newest and the smallest partner in the VIEW ecosystem. And we're feeling we're really honored to be here on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Akshara, for inviting us. For more episodes like these, head over to view.ai and check out our podcasts in the resources section. Until then, have a good week ahead. Bye.